Well, I want to leave as much room for the Holy Spirit to move in the next ministry that we have with Pastor Ray and Misty, and we are so privileged to have them. And um, just last week, we talked a little bit about their ministry. We left a lot still on the table, and I am really excited. The timing of Pastor Ray and Misty being here, you will see when he presents, he shared a little bit with me, and I can't wait to hear what God's going to tell us through the message this morning. But the timing of this is really amazing in the world events. And uh, without further ado, can we give a big legacy welcome to Pastor Ray McDonald this morning. to be here today. What do you think? Are we live? I'm not used to these new technology. Uh, in Thailand, we rarely have electricity. So I'm kidding. We sometimes have electricity. Well, welcome to Legacy Church today. Pastor Ralph, I appreciate you inviting us to come, and we are so Excited to be here, and you gave us a full two hours to minister today. That is awesome. Who's shaking their head over there? Uh, it's great to be here. Um, we have been looking forward to this for a long time. Um, number one, because the monsoon rains have hit Thailand, and so we were happy to leave Thailand and come here to the dry weather, but uh, also more importantly, to see our wonderful Legacy Church friends and family. It's just so good to be with you all, and uh, we kind of have contact every now and again via Facebook or email or things like that, but it's good to have a body to hug, just not just a, a face to look at or somebody to smile at and to wave, but uh, it's just good to have people and friends that... It, you're associated with, and we've been telling the people of Southeast Asia all about you. And so now we, uh, in fact, I would like to snap a picture of you. If everybody looks your best, smile real big. Okay? This is Legacy Church. 
Meridian, Idaho. Okay, one, two, three. Everybody wave. Outstanding. All right. You don't know what good that does for some people just to see, just to see a smiling face and to know that you aren't just supporting other Christians, brothers and sisters on the other side of the planet, but um, they are supporting you. They are praying for you right now at the end of our our presentation today, we're going to share with you something that we have just implemented, but uh, uh, I'm just so excited to, to be here and talk to you for the next two, three hours, so this is going to be outstanding. We are Ray and Misty McDonald, and uh, our home now is in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and uh, Director of Logos Communications International. Now, you know, if you've been here um, when we've been here before in the last few years, you know a little bit about us. And we have so much to share with you today, but we don't have enough time to share everything. So we're going to share just a little bit today. And uh, amazing what God has already done through you and through your giving. But I want to uh, share a little bit of the word today before we even begin. Now, I know the tradition has been in the past that about this time we read the passage of scripture and then everybody, you know, chaos ensues. Everybody just goes and greets one another and, and we take 10 or 15 minutes trying to corral everybody back. So we're going to not do that today. Is that all right? I don't know if you still do that or not. But, and I tend to wander a lot. So if I, if I talk slow and I wander, don't get nervous when I get down in your face. There's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, this is the first time in probably nine months that I've been speaking by myself. I usually have at least one or two interpreters with me. So if I'm a little bit nervous, it's because of that reason. I'm waiting for somebody to repeat after me. So if you do that today, you know, if you want to translate into Spanish or or French, or just repeat what I say in English. That's fine. I'm totally used to that. I'm totally comfortable with that. No, not really. I, I want to share a little bit. I'm mixing some stories, some things that have happened, some current events. But I want to start with uh, the book of Luke, which the book of Luke I've been preaching really most of 2018. It seems like every time I get up to preach... Every week or weekend, we might be up in the hill tribes where they don't have electricity or running water. We might be in the big city where they have all kinds of things. A couple weeks ago, I preached at the Shangri-La Hotel, a five-star hotel in Chiang Mai. And, and then the following week, it was in Chiang Dao, was a hill tribe, uh, Lahu tribe, way up in the jungles of northern Thailand. And it's just so exciting to do what we're doing. You really should come and do it with us. Uh, but I've been really focused on the book of Luke for some reason. So today I thought I'd share with you just a little bit from the gospel of Luke in chapter number 13, 14, and 15. So don't get nervous. I'm not going to read all of that and then give you an exegesis of the whole entire three chapters. I'm just going to share a little bit from the major theme of Luke chapter 13, 14, and 15, okay? Now, in Luke chapter 13, Jesus 
is going to the synagogue. And now it's on the Sabbath day. Verse 12 says, Jesus saw a lady that comes to church. Try to picture yourself. Try to put yourself, as I'm talking today, put yourself into the scene. All the way through, because we're going to talk about current events that are happening in Thailand right now, as well as the scripture where Jesus is going to the synagogue. Now, he's, he's teaching the people on the Sabbath day, and he sees a lady there. The Bible says she has an infirmity. She is, has an ailment in her body where she is bent over. Now, this is not just uh, she tweaked her back last night water skiing or whatever. This is a serious thing. She has had this ailment for 18 years. 18 years she's been afflicted. And Jesus calls her out. Everything with Jesus seems to me to be a setup. He doesn't do anything by accident. So he calls this lady out and he says to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity, lays his hand upon her, and she straightens up, and she's healed. Can you imagine if that happened today? I want you to picture what is happening there. It's amazing what Jesus does on the Sabbath day. A crowd is gathered around him. The scripture says there were religious leaders, there were Pharisees, and they were watching him, and he heals this lady of an ailment of 18 years. That is amazing. The reaction of the people is very typical. You would expect, if you've seen this lady, and she has been coming to the synagogue week after week after week. They know her. In fact, she's probably known for her ailment. She's known for her problem. Isn't that just like people? They know you. Hey, there's that. There's so-and-so. She's this or he's that. They've got a problem, and you're known for your problem. Blind Bartimaeus, he's known for his problem. We can go on and on and on. She was known for her problem. So the reaction of the people, especially the religious leaders, should have been, I'm excited. This is awesome. This is fantastic. This lady for 18 years has been coming to church, and she's bent over like this. She cannot straighten up. And this man named Jesus has touched her and spoken to her, and she is healed, and she is walking around straight up just like everybody else. Isn't that exciting? That's the reaction we have. But here's the reaction of the religious leaders. The ruler of the synagogue stood up with King James indignation. How, how do I say that? Anger. He's upset. He is fired up. And he stands up immediately. And this is what he said. He's angry because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. And he says to the congregation... There's six days when men can come to church and be healed. Why is this woman coming on the Sabbath day? He doesn't, he's angry with Jesus, but he doesn't call out Jesus. He calls the lady out. Can you imagine? Now listen, I might turn this around on you, so be careful. Can you imagine the nerve of somebody? 
You have just been healed. You've just been delivered. God has done something for you. Has God ever done anything for you? Is there somebody that can say, amen, God's done something for me? Just a little something? She's been healed. She's been delivered of 18 years ailment. <laughs> and this man tells the entire congregation, talk about bursting the bubble. He says, calls her out. You could have come yesterday. Well, actually, you could have, you have six days where you could have been healed. And you were not healed. I love Jesus comes to her defense immediately. And he says, wait just a minute. With a loud voice, he, he calls out this guy, the ruler of the synagogue. And he says, hey, let me put you in your place. He says, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Yeah, you're the ruler of this synagogue, but you're a hypocrite. Your own animal, if it falls into a ditch, you take it out on the Sabbath day. How much more this woman... This daughter of Abraham that has been bound by the enemy for 18 years and kind of shut them up. Now, I'm setting this whole thing up because the next chapter, probably the next week, in chapter 14, in verse number 1, we find Jesus again. And it came to pass, he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat breath on the Sabbath day. Everybody say Sabbath day. He goes into their house. He goes into the chief Pharisee's house, and he's going to eat bread. And the scripture says that they watched him. All eyes are upon Jesus. And there's a certain man that has a disease that's in the crowd. And here comes Jesus. No, Jesus, you're not going to do it, are you? You're not really going to do it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. And Jesus calls him out, and he asks a question. Obvious, this man has a disease. He's got a problem. And he asks the people, is it lawful for this man to be healed on the Sabbath day? Uh-oh. Last time I did it, and you were angry. This time I'm going to ask you first. And they didn't know what to say. So they said nothing at all. Can you see them? They're seething. They're upset. They're angry. And so Jesus heals the man when they did not answer him. And they are upset. And Jesus says the same thing he said the week before. If you have an animal, you take him out of the ditch on the Sabbath day. How much better for somebody that's tormented, somebody that is, needs deliverance, I can deliver them. Now we go to chapter 15. I'm not going to read everything. Chapter 15 of Luke is a very famous chapter. Obviously, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but we know this story of uh, it's famous for three things that are lost and three things that are found. The first thing that is lost is the lost sheep. There's a hundred sheep. Shepherd has a hundred sheep. One of them is lost. Jesus tells the story. We have to go back to verse number one and two, the reason for the stories. In verse number one of chapter Luke, uh, chapter 15 of Luke, then drew near to him all the publicans, not Republicans, Republicans and sinners to hear Jesus. And there's these guys again, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and scribes began to murmur. You know what that means? 
mutter under your breath, complain, talk amongst themselves. They're upset. Now this man, not only does he heal people, deliver people on the Sabbath day, now he receives sinners and he even eats with them. They're complaining about this man, Jesus, what he's doing on the Sabbath day, what he's doing in his spare time. He's dealing with people that are sinners, the nerve of him. And so Jesus responds to their complaining, their murmuring, by telling three stories. Really, it's one theme with three stories. And he tells these three stories. He says, there's a man that has a hundred sheep. One of them wanders off and is lost. He will leave the 99 in their safety, and he will go after the one that is lost. And when he finds it, he picks it up, and he carries it home. And when he gets home, he calls his friends and his families, and he says, Rejoice with me. Let's have a party, because that which was lost is now found. And then he says those famous words, Likewise, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. There's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Folks, there ought to be joy in our hearts over one sinner that turns from walking in the ways of the world and begins to follow after Jesus. There's a party in heaven over one person that makes a change in direction. And then Jesus tells the second story. Sorry, I'm kind of going on the, the scripture before I even get to the pictures. But uh, the second story, there's a woman that has 10 coins. And she loses one coin. And she loses the coin in her house. Did you know you could be lost in the house? You could be present, but lost. And the scripture is that Jesus tells the story that she searches with everything she's got until she finds, she has nine coins, but she looks for the one. And when she finds the lost coin, she calls her friends, she calls her family, same story. And she says, rejoice with me. I had one coin that was lost, but now I found it. Let's have a party because that which was lost has now been found. And Jesus repeats what he said. Likewise, there is joy in the presence of God in heaven over one sinner that repents. Not thousands of people, over one person. It's time to put your party hats on because one person has given their life to Jesus. That's awesome tonight. Then he tells a third story. Same theme, same meaning, same reason for the story. There's a man that has two sons. 100 to 1, 10 to 1, 2 to 1. The one son, the younger son, says to my father, would you give me the inheritance so I can use it now while you're still alive. And the man does. The, the story says the father gives to him. No, it says he gives to them their inheritance. They both received the inheritance at the same time. But the younger son took it out away from the father's house. And he wasted all of that money, all that inheritance with riotous living. 
The older son stayed in the father's house. The story goes on that he loses all his friends, loses all his money. There's a famine in the land. And he comes to himself. We don't have time to share the whole story. Read it again when you get home as homework. He comes back to himself and said, I'll return to my father. And I'll ask him just to be his hired servant in his house. And as he's making his way, oh, what a story. As he's making his way down the road, he sees his father in the distance. And his father locks eyes with him and sees his son returning from being lost. And he runs. What a picture. His father runs to the son and embraces him and holds him in his arms and said, I'm so happy to see you. And his son said, no, no, father, I can't do this. I'm not worthy of that. Stop talking. I'm going to kill the fatted calf. I'm going to get you the best robe. I'm going to get you a ring for your hand. I am excited. Jesus said there's joy in the presence of God over one sinner that repents, over one thing that is lost but now is found. What an exciting story. They have a party. They have a celebration. There's music. There's dancing. It's so exciting. When I'm telling you, it's so exciting to be in Thailand and to see one Buddhist person come to know Jesus Christ. One person that repents of their sin and their life is dramatically changed. It's exciting in Meridian, Idaho, for us to see one person that has their life turned around because of the power of Jesus Christ. You may have seen some things on the news lately. In Maysai, Thailand, just about two weeks ago, 12 boys ages 11 through 16, and their soccer coach, who was 25-year-old, orphan, and uh, the 13 of them went into a cave in Thailand, in uh, Maasai. This is up at the very north of this map, the northernmost village in Thailand. Sorry, I go down here so you can see it, but the northernmost village in Thailand is Maasai, and uh, we have a church that we have uh, been associated with for many years. Uh, the Nam Cham Church, they just celebrated their 60th anniversary. 60th anniversary. They plant, they've helped plant together with you and, and the supporters of LCI. We have planted churches all over Burma and Thailand from this mother church in Maasai, Thailand. And uh, I got a call at the airport as I was leaving Thailand last two, two weeks ago Sunday from Pastor Chalumtai, he said, Pastor Ray, you need, I really need you to pray and get the word out there to people because there's 13 boys that are in the cave. You know the cave that we were at? We had youth camp in the entrance of this cave back in April. We had a youth service right in that same cave. And uh, he said, in fact, I was there the Thursday before the Saturday event took place. I was up in Maasai. And... Uh, so I said, well, I'll, I'm getting on the plane, but I'll do what I can. I, I'll get word out on Facebook, and then when I get to Korea, you know, I'll give an update on that, and we'll be praying, never knowing the, the drama that was about to take place. So what took place is these boys went into the cave, 
The monsoon season is usually July through October. The monsoon rains came about a week early. And uh, just a deluge of rain. I told my wife that uh, on that Saturday, the ra- it was raining so hard, I looked out the window and it looked like a waterfall was out, outside my window. It was just incredible amount of rain. Well, that happened right after the boys went into the cave. It's a six-mile cave back in the, uh, in the system. You can see the entrance there. That's where we had youth camp in the entrance. And they, these boys had gone two and a half miles into that cave. The waters came down from the mountains and seeped right into the cave system. And so there was no escape. Well, for the next nine and a half days, these boys are in there. Nobody had heard from them. Nobody knew anything about them. They, they were searching for them. It's an incredible complex caving system. Uh, maybe you've heard it on the news the last couple of weeks, um, but they didn't know how they were ever going to locate these boys. They've had well over a thousand Thai Navy SEALs as well as the Air Force from the United States and, and Britain and Australia as well as China. People all over the international society were out there looking for these kids and uh, they didn't lose hope, but what was uh, amazing to me is these, these people, the hopelessness. Now, you think about the boys that are inside this cave. It looks bright, nice and bright right there, but they're way back two and a half miles underground. If they had flashlights, which they did, I'm sure they didn't last the whole time. They're back there without any food, They're back there without any light. They're back there without any hope. And it's such a picture in the physical of the spiritual. Not only in Thailand, but especially in Thailand, of the hopelessness that these people have. Here's an example of the uh, families of the boys that are offering prayers They don't know how to pray. They don't know who to pray to. Thailand is 96.5% Buddhist. Buddha is not a god. Buddha is an enlightened man. He has reached the level of nirvana. They all strive to reach the same level, even though it's hopeless. So they're praying. They don't know who they're praying to. They're doing sacrifices. They're sacrificing pigs. They're sacrificing chickens. They're making all these efforts to appease the spirits so they release the souls of their boys. But in the meantime, we have one boy of the 13 that is a Christian. Adul is a 14-year-old Lahu boy from Myanmar. And he was an orphan boy that was taken in by the Maysai Grace Church. And... Uh, He's the only Christian among the 13. And here you have the stark contrast of the Buddhist people with no hope. And they're doing all these rituals and they got the monks out there chanting and they're making sacrifices and they're burning incense and they're offering food up to the shrines and the Buddhist statues. And then you have the members and the family of the Maysai Grace Church with their guitars 
and they're singing. Proud proud suk sandy, pramadadam ron, nitni run. You are good, you are good, you are good, and your mercy is forever. What a contrast. People with no hope, people in tears and agony, and then you have the, the family, the now family of this boy that is pre- singing praises to God, filled with hope because they have the international church that is praying for them, knowing that God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. On the morning of the 10th day, two British divers make their way two and a half miles through the water, through the cave, and they come upon these boys perched up on a rock in the cave. And they are so excited. Can you imagine being in there for 10 days? They're so excited to see these guys. And they say, I'm hungry. One guy, one kid can speak English. And he happens to be the Christian boy. He's from Myanmar. He's learned through the Christian church. He's learned how to speak English. They were so proud. All of Thailand is proud of this boy because he can respond. He asked him, what day is it? Well, it's Monday. You've been in here for 10 days. The diver asked him, how many are there? There's 13 of us. They're so proud of Thailand. I'm telling you, all of Thailand, right up to the king himself, was so excited. This boy was able to understand English, and he was able to speak back to them in English. What a witness. So they were excited. They were rejoicing. The people are rejoicing. They're they were still in the cave, but they had smiles on their face. Here's a mom holding the picture of her kids. There's a dad and a grandpa. So can you imagine the rejoicing that was going on? I know it was going around in Idaho. We were here just last Monday, and it was so excited. They found the boys. They found the boys. There's joy in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner that is lost but is found. Such a type, such an exciting type of, of the physical and the spiritual. There's the general. He is so excited. So they found the boys after 10 days being in darkness. This is where we're at, folks. This is where we live. On every corner, you have two things, a 7-Eleven and a Buddhist temple. Thousands of Buddhist temples of all shapes and sizes. And that's just in Chiang Mai province, in the nation, in the kingdom of Thailand. And this is what they do. This is how they worship. We worship together today. This is how they worship. They don't know what they're worshiping. They don't know exactly how to worship. But they do it. I wanted to share this with you just to show you the darkness and the harsh reality of what the hopelessness of the people of Southeast Asia. But there is hope. There is hope. 18 months ago, 
the king of Thailand, passed away after ruling for 61 years. I was told personally, we've been there for almost four years now, and I was told by other missionaries that when the king passes away, we're probably going to have to leave the country. We'll we'll not be able to make any effect, even though Christianity's been in Thailand for over 200 years. Less than 1% of the population is Christian. Have not been able to make any inroads with the Thai people. Now had success with the hill tribe people, people that have migrated, uh, refugees from Myanmar or Laos or Cambodia, but not much success in the Thai people until the king passed away. When we thought it was over, any inroads that we made with the gospel is going to end. Actually, that was the beginning of an explosive revival. Because what, what we did, what the Thai Christians would do normally for years, especially at Christmas time, they would have big celebrations and invite the community to come and, and hear and participate in the food and the singing and the gifts and all that, and then hear the gospel message and go home. Very ineffective. Now, because there was one year of mourning, they were not allowed to have any outside celebrations. So the pastors of Thailand, the Christian pastors, got together and said, we're going to take it to the people. And so especially in Pechaboom province, which is about the population of the state of Idaho. A province is a state. About the population of the state of Idaho. Just let that sink in. They began to go village to village, house to house, and teach Bible studies to the people. Share with them the message of the Bible. Just explain to them what Jesus had done in their own way. I'm here to tell you today that in 18 months, it's been documented there has been 7,000 new believers. 7,000 new believers in just Pechaboom province of Thailand. We're believing that it's going to spread even from there. How did they do it? The churches joined together. They joined forces together, and they just began to go village to village, house to house. Two weeks ago, right before I left to come to America, we had a mass burial, as we called it. 216 people were baptized in the river. Had six pastors out in the water, and they had a line of people to each of them. 216 people were baptized in one day at the same time. Now that's exciting. What's more exciting is that there's over 200 people being baptized every month since the king passed away. This is exciting stuff. 7,000 new believers. This is an example of the people that are being baptized on that one day in Pechaboom province, the little, little town of uh, Chandan. Now, going back to the cave story, after 10 days, they found the boys. And that was exciting. They found them. And they were rejoicing. There was so much rejoicing going on. They were happy. Everybody, around the world, we were happy. We were celebrating. We found the boys. But there's a problem. How do we get them out? 
We can't get them out. It's two and a half miles. There's sometimes 16 feet of water. You have to crawl just to get in there. You have to crawl through these narrow, narrow uh, passages. And here, here's these, boys, these guys trying to get tanks to them. It is, it's a serious, serious adventure just to try to reach them. It took them six hours just to get just the initial Thai Navy SEALs just to get to these boys. So how do we get them out? Now they've been in there for another eight days, so 18 days altogether. We just found out today, this morning, that they have four of the boys that they finally have been able to take out of that cave. There's still nine people in there. Four of the boys, four of the weakest ones, have been taken out, and they're already at the hospital. And so we're thankful for that. But this man right here, 38-year-old Thai Navy SEAL, actually died last Thursday in the escape attempt. And so the devastation was, how do we, now that we found them, now that we rejoice, how do we get these boys out? There's 12 boys that don't know how to swim. And we've got to get them through this channel, probably six hours, they have to go two and a half miles up and down rocks and underwater. So what do they have to do? They have to teach them to swim. They have to nourish them, give them food. They have to kind of bring them back to life, get their strength back. And then they have to teach them how to have the mask over their face. They have to teach them how to dive. And all the world was saying, this is impossible. If a Thai Navy SEAL, a diver, a trained diver, passed away doing this, how are these boys going to do it? And of course, we're still praying. God's going to give, God's going to give the end, he's going to make the difference for them. It's very emotional, it's very, uh, it's overwhelming when you start to think about it. But put it back into the spiritual, you have 7,000 new believers that are all Thai, that are all Buddhist. Before this time, they didn't know anything about Jesus. They didn't know anything about the Bible. Are you going to bring them to new birth and then just leave them? This is where you come in. And this is what I've come to tell you today. Because of your support of LCI and the people of Southeast Asia, we have been able to print thousands of Bibles, thousands of new believers' literature, Thousands of discipleship material translated, printed, and distributed to the Petroboom province. And these new believers, you can see some of the pictures, I'm so excited to get the Gospel of John, to get uh, simple material that, that they can understand. Let me go back. It's so exciting. So this is what we're... This is what we are doing right now. Uh, our, most of our time right now is spent teaching leaders how to teach the people, how to disciple the people. Take a mic. From this church here, you can bring somebody and you can see them come to the Lord and be saved. 
But there's more to it than that. Then you have to take them the next step and train them and teach them the Word of God. And that's where we have what we call a kit that we've put together. And in here, I think in that picture, one of them that he showed you, we have a Bible chart. Um, a lot of them don't read, but a lot of them do. And it actually goes through the Bible. So we've gone ahead and we've printed these in Thai. We have literature on biblical fasting. Um, let's see, four views of baptism. We've done all of these, and they're all in Thai. So now it's the training part that comes. Um, the one thing that we did have... I think these two books were up there that you saw just a moment ago, and these are the book of John. Sometimes we have to separate the Gospels and bring it little pieces at a time. And so that's what we've been doing is translating everything. The big and most important thing that you'll see up there is this Bible. It works miracles. It changes lives. And to have it printed into their own language it's amazing, and that's where this church has come in. These things have been printed. I'm going to leave these up here if you guys want to come after church and kind of look through it and see what's been done. But another thing that we did just, we've been working on it for quite a little while now, but we went through and we did a Bible reading chart, and we had them done in Thai as well as English, and we brought 5,000 of these home with us. And I would love for every single member of this church to come and get one of these, they are perforated. You can put them in your Bible. But every day, and it's in chronological order, but I would love for everybody to have one because the people in Thailand are reading the same thing you're reading here. So we've got the Bible, and it's the same day the Word of God is going up, and it's on the other side of the world. The same thing is happening. And so I would love, before you go home today, I would love for you to meet me out back because I would love to give you all one of those charts to take home. So the beauty of this is this Bible reading plan, the first church that we presented this to was the Maysai Church, where this cave was. And they have committed to going through, the beauty of the Bible reading plan is it's set up, you can start it at any time throughout the year. You don't have to wait till January 1st, but it's just a short reading, and if you read the short reading every day for a year, you've read the entire Bible through. But the beauty of it is that everybody, no matter if you're in Thailand, if you're in Germany, where we have people, if you're in Guatemala, if you're in America, you're all reading the same thing. And everybody, they've committed in Maasai that when they read their Bible reading for the day, they're going to pray for everybody else that's reading the same scripture throughout the day. And so my attempt is going to be to do a video blog occasionally through the week on the scripture that we are reading. So we can, the reason for this is we don't want there to be a church in Thailand and a church in America. And every once in a while, you know, they pass through, through the McDonald's by sharing. We want to unify the body of Christ around the world and everybody participating together. They know that they have brothers and sisters in Meridian, Idaho. They've seen the backpacks with your name on it. They, they know about you. And they want to participate in reading the Word of God. Some of them for the first time. Some of them for the first time. So it is so exciting. One last thing before I close today. I wanted to share. We do, every year we do a, I call it the Barnabas Tour, where we travel for a couple weeks in a van. 
and I take uh, the pastors that we are training, what we do, we don't teach them the Bible. We teach them how to teach the Bible. We teach these leaders. And by the way, in Petroboom province, they have already 200 trained church planters. Men and women, essentially they are pastors over house churches. They already have 250 house churches. They don't have one massive church. They just have house churches and, and they have 100 that are in training right now. And the goal is to have 10,000 new believers by 2020 and to have 1,000 new house churches by 2020. That means planters. So what we're doing is we're training them how to teach the people, how to disciple the people. But one thing we did is the Barnabas tour where we'll take these, these uh, new pastors and we'll take them with us for hands-on training. And we travel all around Thailand and we'll visit villages and we'll visit churches. And initially I'll do a lot of the preaching, but by the end of the two weeks, these young men and women are they're actually laying hands on people. They're praying with people. They're, they're preaching some. and It's so exciting. Well, I've wanted for the last three years to get to eastern Thailand. As far as I knew, there was very little Christianity. Well, there isn't in the whole country. But in eastern Thailand, on the border of Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, there's very little presence of Christianity at all. The last couple years we've been taking leaders from Laos where Christianity is forbidden and bringing them over into Thailand and training them in the word of God and sending them back. But I haven't been able to go. It's about a 20 hour ride, van ride to get over there. Well, our van driver said, I know somebody that's a Christian on the border of Laos and Thailand, right on the banks of the Mekong River. They have a farm. And uh, I can take you there if you want to go. I said, let's go. Not only did he take us to Camelot, Thailand, which is right on the banks of the Mekong River, but two hours north of there, there's a, a village called Nakam Padom. He took us there as well. Another fine Christian couple that was there, but knew nobody else. Well, let me tell you the backstory of this. We discovered after arriving there that this farmer and his wife, they have cows, they have chickens and pigs and, and this big farm, but uh, really little else. They have been taking people from Laos every weekend by boat and bringing them to their farm and having church on their farm. And after the church is done, they go back in the boats and go back over to Laos. And the gospel is being spread that way. And so they asked, is there any way that we could build a church building? Because the monsoon rains are about to begin. And we can't have everybody outside. It's going to be difficult enough coming over by boat in the rains. But we're willing to do that if we just have a covering over our head. So we were able to help them a little bit with the funds to start the building of it. So I'm traveling around the next couple of months in America so we can finish off the building of this. This is what they were able to accomplish in three weeks. That's the one church up there in Camelot where the, the boat people come in. And, and they are so happy. There's another church building right now being built in Nakam Padom. Same style, same thing, about the same progress in there. So things are happening right now. It's so exciting to me. I, I wish I could, 
convey the excitement that we have right now, but I thank you so much for your giving. Just to know, Pastor, that every month, every month at the beginning of the month, there's going to be funds in there to further the work of God. It, it gives us such a sense of relief to know that that is there. We have supporters, people that are praying for us every day. We're so thankful for that. Let me close in my third and final closing today. Going back to the scripture in Luke chapter 15. Because you know that story didn't end with the prodigal son coming home. In fact, that wasn't the reason that Jesus told the story to begin with. Remember in verse 1 and 2, the religious leaders were murmuring because Jesus was fellowshipping with sinners. And he told the story of the prodigal son. But at the end of the story, in verse number 25, the older brother is out in the field and he comes to the house and he hears music and he sees dancing and he asks one of the servants, what is happening? And the servant tells him, your brother that was lost is come home. Your father has killed the calf. And he has received him safe and sound. And we're having a party because your brother is home. Once again, the reaction, your younger brother, you feared was dead. You thought was gone, lost, never to be found again. He's back safely home. You should be excited. You should be happy for that. But the scripture says that he was angry and he refused to go into the house but I'm so glad the sentence doesn't stop there. He was angry, and he refused to go in the house, so his father came out to him. You see, the father didn't just go to the lost boy. The father went out to the son that was still in the house, and he's still seeking. He wants to rejoice with all of his children today. And the father says to the son, the older son, he says, why? Why don't you come in and rejoice with us? Because your, son, your brother has been found. We're so excited. And again, the older son says, I've served you for all these years. And now your son, he doesn't call him his brother. He's, he's disowned him. Your son has come back home after wasting all of your money and I've served you all these years. Why should I be happy about this? Why should I be glad about this? And his father corrects him and he says, son, you're with me all the time and your brother was lost and now he's found. Your brother was dead but now he is alive. It is important that we are glad. It's important that we make merry. For your brother was dead and is alive again. Folks, I'm telling you, there is a tendency within us that have been saved for many, many years to not be super excited 
about a great revival that is taking place. After all, I've served all these years, and I've not seen 7,000 new believers in Meridian, Idaho. Why is it so special over there? The Father says, it's good for us to be joyful. Because, yes, that's your brother. That's your sister. And you're my son. You're my daughter. I want to rejoice with you. I'm reaching out to you as well as reaching out to them. We're all a part of this together. We're all a part of this together. Let's stand here today. You know, I'm not going to totally let you off the hook. I think about the great things that we have seen in the last three years. We've been right here for many years. And I honestly hadn't seen things like I've seen in the last three years. Naturally, I've been excited. The reason for the great revival in Thailand right now is because after almost 200 years of doing it one way, they decided to change their methodology. And the few Christians that there were began to join together. They didn't let little differences in beliefs divide them anymore. It started with basically three churches in Pechaboom province. Three churches. The leaders got together and said, let's go village to village, house to house. And now they are rejoicing together. I wonder sometimes if our churches in America would stop viewing each other as competition and start viewing each other as brothers and sisters with the same cause in mind. And if we spent more time trying to reach the unreached, as much time as we spend reaching the already reached, how much more can we do? Years ago, we had the motto, it's the saving of the lost and the keeping of the saved. They're both important. They're both in balance. They're good. But have we lost the balance? Are we inwardly focused? Do we secretly, outwardly rejoice at the lost being found, but inwardly murmur because it's not happening to me. Why is it not happening to me? How much of our focus, how much of our energies, how much of our resources is being sent, is being spent on reaching the unreached? They're all around us. We look at the stark reality of the kingdom of Thailand, but they're in Meridian, Idaho, they're in Idaho. They're in America. There's people that you rub shoulders with every day that don't know Jesus like you know him. 
They've never heard the gospel message like you've heard time after time after time. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, if you seek first the kingdom of God, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all of these other things will be added to you. I wonder if we're seeking his kingdom and his righteousness third or fifth or even tenth. What is our focus when we get up in the morning? You see, I can talk direct because I've lived it. Yeah, I, I, told, I told God, I'm all in. This is what I want to do. I want to reach out. I wasn't. I don't know if I'm there yet. But if we woke up in the morning and said, God, you set my calendar today. Make the divine appointments on my schedule. Put me in contact with somebody that needs to know your love, that needs to feel your presence, that needs to recognize your power working in their life. God will answer that prayer. But are you daring enough to pray the prayer? And that's all I'm asking today. Be courageous enough to pray the prayer. Lord, use me to reach my world. What is most important to God? It's the lost being found. It's the the oppressed being delivered. It's those that are bound being set free. And you have already been used by God in great ways to see that done on the other side of the world. Now God's saying, I want you to do it right here. You're my people for this time and this hour. Lord, we thank you for our family, our friends at Legacy Church. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their love for you, first and foremost, and their passion for the kingdom of God. I ask you continue to bless them so they can be a blessing. Continue to do that. We thank you for them. Now, Lord, give them the courage to do what they can do, what they're able to do, what you have put within their heart and in their hands. We pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Now, I'm convinced there's a lost coin in the house right here today. Yeah. You're in the house physically, but there's a chance that you don't have an ability to see Jesus like he wants to reveal himself to you. Maybe some of you even have a hunger for Jesus and you don't know how to reach him. And I just wonder if with every head bowed, is there anybody here that would say, I really would like to know Jesus better? Just raise your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to point you out. We just want to know if we just pray right now in Jesus' name. Could everybody just pray this prayer with me? If you've raised your hand or not, let's just ask Jesus into our life. And let's pray with them so they're not praying alone on this. And just support them. Come alongside them. Yes, Jesus. And walk with them through this cave. Give them the oxygen they need to get out of the darkness. Father, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I know you gave me Jesus as your son. But if I would just ask him, 
you said that anybody could ask and I would be saved. I would be found. Light would break into my heart and life. Jesus, I'm asking you right now, shine a light in my heart. Lead me out of this cave, God, into your glorious light. Forgive me, Father, for my sin. And let me feel your love today and your great forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, Ray and Misty, not yet. Could you come forward, please? Thank you, Jesus, for that. One of the things as a pastor I realize you get to do a lot of fun stuff that you don't share with anybody else. And I felt like the Lord said, you ought to share with everybody else. (laughs) I don't want to be the only one having the fun here. Last week we announced some things because of your generosity. We're able to send in these mailings right now two churches, one local, Lashuns and Resurrection Church, One Life Church over in Nampa, and Calvary International in Tanzania, we're sending them thousands of dollars in these three checks. Those three letters are getting ready to go out thanks to you. But kind of our favorite son and daughter here today, and we've already given them a summer offering. But Ray and Missy, I don't know if you know, these people have decided to increase your monthly support two and a half times what you've been getting. We want you to get insurance with that. We want you to have a little bit for retirement someday. And you still have extra to give to your ministry. Isn't that awesome, people of God? Isn't that fun? Is it okay that I get to tell you what I get to do sometimes? Is this all right? Isn't this fun? And I thought, I want you to see their face because I was going to get to tell them at lunch. But I'd rather you see them and you be able to see. It's your giving. It's your heart that's touching the world for Jesus. And he's bringing no sorrow to it. We're doing it out of an abundance. Out of God blessing us, we get to bless others. God is making us a blessing that we might be a blessing to the nations. Amen. I'd like Ray and Misty to come down here. I'd like some of you that feel a partner with them or want to partner with them. I want you to come around them. I want you to lay your hands on them. And we're going to bless them with the spiritual blessing of the Lord as well as them knowing that they've got some financial blessing that's leaving with them today. Starting at the end of this month, That check will come, and we're going to put a little note in there. We want God to take care of you two with your health and your prosperity and your blessing. If they're physically fit, they can do more. Amen? And I feel like they they call us their church, so they're ours to take care of. Amen? So we're going to do a little personal stuff like saying we want them to get health insurance. We know God is blessed assurance. But we want to do unto others as we would have others do to us. And Father, we bless them right now with a holy blessing. We thank them for their faithfulness, O God. We thank you for your protection on their front and their back, on their left and their right. God is going before you. He's following after you. During this summer, God is going to prosper your way. You are going to be greatly blessed. (laughs) Highly favored and deeply loved. Father, we pray that Jabez pray over them. Father, that you will bless them and bless them indeed, that you will expand the border of their territory. That, Father, no evil will befall them. 
In Jesus' name we pray. We pray a, a godly, awesome blessing upon their lives. Let their youth be renewed. Let their strength yeah, come upon them, even greater than Samuel's strength, Father, as needed. And we will give you the glory. We will give you the praise, Jesus, for all you're doing for us in your precious name. Can we give the Lord another hand this morning? We just thank the Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. I'm going to ask Matthew to come up and close in prayer. Ray and Misty need to get back because they want to be able to answer questions and show you material. Um, it is so cool as, a, as an old, not only as an old school teacher, but just as an, as an old football player. I love this. You, you can share your faith with a picture book. I mean, isn't this awesome? You can start with pictures, and you don't even have to really speak their language to an extent, but an interpreter could tell you, and they walk these new believers through the Bible and show them pictures for the first time of what God's all about and how he loves them and loves this world and gave his life for it. And they're going to have some of this back there, but we're going to leave this up here. I would encourage you, if you don't have a Bible program, uh, to, uh, even if you do, grab one of they've got 5,000 of them they're going to give one get take a bible reading and you can read through the bible chronologically this year starting july 9th tomorrow if you want and we'll be reading the bible together as a body of christ isn't that awesome all right matthew take us home here oh, dear heavenly father we thank you god we thank you for your abundant blessings god we thank you that you bless us so that we can bless others, so that we can send others out into the world to bring more people to you, God, to bring more people to show them your love, God. We thank you, God. We thank you for this opportunity to have Ray and Misty in our house today, God, that they could share what you were doing in the world, God, that they could show us that we can share other we can share in the community god we love you god we thank you and we pray these things in your name amen